0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Southern Pride Storytime Um, we're gonna do the mysterious case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde And, uh, I've gotta confess This was my second choice for a second episode of Spooky Season My first attempt was going to be a bunch of the creepiest games in the world Turns out, I found them and went way too hard. I found games so scary that they freaked me right out. I had the whole script of the top five scary games. Number one was called One Man Hide and Seek, or Hide and Seek Alone, I think Hitori Kakarembo. It basically involves a ritual to create a possessed stuffed doll, you then offend said evil spirit by stabbing it, then it's your turn to hide and the doll has to find and kill you. There have been reports of death, injury, and at least one disappearance associated with this game. You can watch videos of people playing this game on YouTube. I did. And I didn't sleep for two days. This game freaked me right the heck out. I had nightmares when I got to sleep and it was not much sleep at all. And if fairytale violence, cannibalism, inappropriate family relationships, and other horrible events in my stories have not lost me my family-friendly rating, then I'm not gonna risk it by teaching you guys how to summon murderous demons that may never decide to leave. Do that crap on your own time, kids. I'm not doing it. Interestingly, as soon as I tore that script into pieces and threw it away, I was able to sleep again that same night, so I took that as a sign that, yeah, I don't need to be teaching you guys how to summon evil demons into your home. If you're curious about Hitori Kakarambo, definitely, I mean, you can check it up out on YouTube. The one I watched was this group of three guys with a clown stuffed animal, and uh, yeah, it freaked me right out. I could just be because I already have a little bit of a problem with being freaked out by clowns so add the demon doll situation on top of it and it made things so much worse but yeah you can watch it but I'm not going to tell you how to do it I'm not going to bring more of that into this world guys it was awful and I take the sleeplessness and nightmares as a sign that I was not meant to do that episode on that note here's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde it may not be what you expect Jekyll actually isn't the main character. It's actually a young man named Gabriel Utterson. He likes to take walks with his friend Enfield, and we open on just such a walk as Mr. Enfield is telling Mr. Utterson about a scene he saw the other day. A little girl was playing around, not paying attention, you know, as kids do, when a grown man in his late 20s or early 30s ran into the little girl, then trampled her just for the fun of it. Enfield was rightly outraged and prevented the man from leaving, and checked to see that the little girl was unharmed. The family was very upset, and Enfield suggests to the man, who claims his name was Edward Hyde, that perhaps it would be, you know, it would smooth things over a little bit if he paid the girl's family. The young man agreed and gave them all a check that was signed by Dr. Henry Jekyll. This worried Mr. Utterman, as Dr. Jekyll was a highly respected member of the upper-class Victorian community. In fact, the virtuous doctor was one of Utterman's clients. And as his lawyer, the young solicitor had counted on the doctor's sterling reputation to guarantee that he would be an easy client to represent. If someone like Dr. Jekyll was paying for the crimes of a man like this Mr. Hyde, there may be some kind of foul play going on, and as the good doctor's lawyer, That meant that he was involved too. In fact, he could recall that Dr. Jekyll had just changed his will to make Hyde his sole beneficiary. He hadn't thought much of it at the time, and then when he heard Enfield's story, it kind of changed his perspective on things, and now he was worried that he might be being blackmailed by this Mr. Hyde, especially since the will specifically stated that the estate would go to Mr. Hyde should Dr. Jekyll die or disappear for three months or more, which was about the most suspicious thing since Carol Baskin's husband's will. Utterson tried to clear this up by speaking to Jekyll's friend, Dr. Lanyon, but the doctor said that he and Jekyll had drifted apart in recent years, so instead he decided to talk to Jekyll's servants. They told him that they had been ordered to obey Mr. Hyde as faithfully as they did Dr. Jekyll. Despite Utterman's concerns, however, when he meets Jekyll at a dinner party two weeks later, the good doctor seems to be fine. He does seem very reluctant to discuss his relationship with the mysterious Mr. Hyde, though. Jekyll assures his anxious lawyer that Mr. Hyde was not a problem and would cause them no trouble. Utterson took Jekyll's word for it. He had no reason not to, and until one day, Mr. Hyde beat an old man to death. He had struck the old man so hard that his walking cane split in half, and upon inspection, Utterson recognized that the cane actually belonged to Dr. Henry Jekyll. Utterson realized that he could no longer ignore the situation. He confronted a frazzled Doctor Jekyll, who admits that he's done with Mr. Hyde, he swore off the villain and gave Utterson a letter of apology from Hyde himself. Utterson is feeling very good about the situation until a servant noticed that the letter noted that the letter in his hand on the way out the door, and casually remarked that they had not received any letters in the post that day. It'll surprise none of you, dear listeners, when I tell you that Utterson went home to discover that Hyde's penmanship matched that in a letter Utterson had from Dr. Jekyll. Utterson is frustrated, thinking that his friend must be covering up for this Mr. Hyde. For a while, it didn't matter. Hyde seemed to have vanished, and Jekyll was slowly returning to his social, jovial self. Just when Utterson was starting to have confidence in his client's reputation being restored, Jekyll suddenly began isolating himself again. Eventually, it got so bad that Jekyll's servants came to him for help. The doctor had locked himself into his lab, refusing to leave for days. He would shout through the door, sending servants all over town for ingredients, but when he shouted through the door, his voice was that of Mr. Hyde. Worried that Hyde may have harmed Jekyll, Utterson realizes that he needs to break down the door and intervene. When the door finally gives way, Utterson and the servants burst into the room to find the short, scraggly body on the floor, dressed in Dr. Jekyll's upper-class clothes. The novella has led up to this moment with a slow burn of Utterson, who is a pretty normal guy, who has inadvertently stumbled on this completely strange circumstance. We have, so far, only seen this whole situation from his perspective, and the limited information would have made him very relatable. We've all seen someone else's problem and had it not seem so bad from our perspective only to find out later that it was a much bigger situation than you thought. This was that moment for both Utterson and the reader. When Robert Louis Stevenson, author of Treasure Island, wrote this story in 1886, The first audience did not know what to expect. Of course, this story has been deeply embedded in pop culture for 136-ish years now, and we all know vaguely what is going on here. Though, as usual, Hollywood has embellished a lot, which has led to some misinterpretation of the story's meaning for those who read within, you know, those who read with movies. As always, I strongly encourage you to read, er, to read the book and discover for yourself whether you agree with my interpretation or Hollywood. It's not a long book either, so you can cruise right through it. You see, dear listener, here, after the death of Dr. Jekyll and Hyde, is when Utterson, and therefore we, get to see what has actually been going on here. The puzzle pieces come in the form of letters that, when read, complete the whole picture. Through a written confession, Jekyll admits that despite his purest-snow upper-class Victorian reputation, he has always had a dark side. Baser urges and drives that, while he never specifies what those urges are, based on Hyde's behavior, I would say he struggles with rage and violent urges. A lot of people theorize that these urges have more to do with relationships and lust and we see this played up in movie versions of the story, but Stevenson himself said that this was a projection on the part of those making this interpretation. I think we can lean more toward wrath if we are to assign one of the seven deadly sins to Dr. Jekyll. He admits that he struggled to repress his demons his whole life in order to fit into the strict expectations of Victorian society. He even theorizes that Hyde is so much younger, 20 or 30 years, to to Jekyll's 50 or 60 than Jekyll because he spent so much of his life burying that part of himself. In order to finally get some relief, he made a potion that transformed his voice, his height, his age, his entire physicality. A lot of people theorize that Hyde is entirely different personality and most movies project that Dr. Jekyll has dissociative identity disorder. However, in his letters, Jekyll to Hyde as me and I, and Hyde's actions as his own. His letters make it clear that Hyde was never a separate personality, but rather the removal of Jekyll's inhibitions. Add to this the change in his physical appearance, removing all the consequences for his actions, Hyde is not another person, but rather Jekyll with nothing holding back his worst impulses. Jekyll feels very, very guilty about the time he spent as Mr. Hyde, but for a while he uses it as a type of catharsis and he becomes addicted to this outlet to his sin. And as with all addictions, it begins to take over his life. He takes the solution more and more often until the death of the man beaten by the cane. At that point, Dr. Jekyll begins to see that others are suffering for him to indulge his vices. He truly meant it when he told Utterson that he was done with Hyde at this point. Unfortunately, Hyde was not finished with him. Dr. Jekyll began to wake up as his alter ego with no potion involved. He tried and tried to repress Hyde, but at this point, Jekyll's shadow has become the dominant side. He took the potion so frequently for so long that now he needs to take it to be Jekyll rather than to be Hyde. He's lost control, to such an extent that he even transformed in public with no potion, which is why he began to hide himself away. What was worse was that the new brews of his potion had no effect on him anymore. Jekyll theorized that some kind of mineral salt he used in the original brew was tainted by some kind of impurity. As new shipments of this ingredient no longer had the impurity, the potion was no longer effective. Without it, he could no longer turn back into Jekyll. Knowing his next transformation would be his last, Jekyll poisoned himself to avoid becoming Hyde forever. Death becomes his only escape from his shadow side and his addiction to it. Now, having concluded the story, let me address the elephant in the audio. You may have noticed that I have been pronouncing what you expected to be Dr. Jekyll as Dr. Jekyll. This is actually the correct pronunciation, as Robert Louis Stevenson wrote it. He named the character after the last name of his friend, and intended for the names Hyde and Jekyll as a play on the words Hide and Seek. When creating The Good Doctor, Stevenson wanted to touch on the duality of humans. We all have a shadow self and a part of our mind that we try never to act upon. He wanted to explore the perfect ideal Victorian man versus the things about him he wishes he could hide or correct. A lot of people interpret this as a condemnation of a society of repression and a fictional perfection. But when you look at the behavior of Hyde, in other words, Jekyll unrepressed, I think you could easily make the case that we should repress our nature. When we give into our impulses rather than our logical choices, we risk becoming a Mr. Hyde. So that was one thing I noticed in my research for this story is a lot of people took this as stevenson's reproach of a repressed society holding back their natural though evil urges and that if you could just indulge in your sins more often you would not sin as heavily and again i firmly think if you look at the behavior of mr hyde or dr jekyll in mr hyde form i think it could just as easily be argued the opposite, that perhaps we need to repress these darker sides of ourselves because look what our darker sides do. You know, it's its not about what you think, it's about what you've done. And Hyde allows Jekyll to, to turn what he thinks into what he does. And I think perhaps the argument is the opposite of what these people think that it is. It shows just how bad things get when you don't repress your shadow side. Such was the case of Deacon William Brodie. He was the deacon of a craftsmen's guild rather than a religious deacon. He was a gifted woodworker who specialized in making very intricate wooden cabinets and doors, all with very specific locks and keys. He was hired primarily by the upper classes, and he was in very high demand. He was well thought of as an upstanding member of the community. Unbeknownst to all the people who respected him and his work, he was creating duplicates of all of the keys that he was making. He ran a burglar ring that would use these keys to steal from the very people who trusted him with their goods in the first place. He then used the money to finance his gambling habit, but he mostly did it for the thrill. This dual nature was also a part of what inspired Stevenson to write the novella, as this case was in the news and was, you know, causing shock throughout London at the time that he wrote the story. So, That kind of inspired him as well, this very extreme dual nature, um, two sides of the same person. Again, not two separate personalities, but one side of yourself that indulges your darker impulses as opposed to the restraint and choosing to do the right thing. If you enjoyed this episode and are looking forward to more of Spooky Season, please like, subscribe, and share the show with your friends. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really enjoyed having you, and you have a beautiful weekend.